morning. God laid on our hearts this last week after last week's sermon, which was powerful. Pastor Don spoke, um, as well as Pastor Brandon came up and spoke with her some. It was a powerful word. And something that stuck with me was about remembering. Remembering what God said. Remember what his word has said. And sometimes I think we get in a hurry because we're ready to go from one thing to another to another. And so today, we're going to pause for a moment and we're going to speak to the mamas. Is that all right this morning? Today's sermon is all about moms. Um, I love you and I, I believe that it's going to apply to you in here who are not mothers as well because his word is rich and it, it, yeah. it doesn't go void. So whatever's coming out of here that's word is going to speak to your heart. But how many mamas do we have in this room? Can all my moms just stand? All the mamas in this room stand this morning. Work. Because being a mom's work. 
but being a mother is joyful. Says that the children there are blessing. Whoever's quiver is full is blessed. Amen. And I was sitting down at my table the other day. I had all these thoughts in my mind about moms and what I was going to say to moms because I knew God was just like, we really need to speak to the moms. And I was like, okay, what do you want me to say? And he started saying things to me, and I'm like, you need to slow down. Because <laughs> I may put that all in order, and all of a sudden, I was sitting there, and I was asking myself questions like this. What makes a mom? How do you know you're a good mom? And how do I add up to this title? How many of you have asked questions like that if your mom is what makes a good How do I know I'm a good mom? How do I know? And, and how do I even deserve this title as a mom? And I was sitting at my kitchen table, and as I began to sit there, I looked over at my refrigerator, and on my refrigerator was this. Chrissy's going to put it up on the screen. <laughs> Sorry. I looked over, and this design had drunk, drawn this for me one Mother's Day here. It's been a little bit. It says, I love you much. You're the best mom. As I looked at that, I smiled, and I really began to think, am I really the best mom? You know, because best is like a big word. Best covers like like this, and I, I feel like this half the time. Like, am I really the best? I'm sure that there are other moms that are way better than me, God. Now, come on, we're going to get real. Don't tell me some of your mamas out there ain't felt that way. I'm sure that there's other mothers who do things way better than me. Okay, I'm the only one who's not lying. And I sat there and I was overwhelmed. And if I asked you this question in this room, who in this room thinks you're the best mom ever, how many of you would honestly raise your hand and be like, I am the bomb, I'm the best mom ever. I'm not talking about your kids next to you saying that you're the best mom, but I'm saying like you yourself, you'd be like, I am better than any mom in this room. We wouldn't say it. We wouldn't do that. It's not in our nature to normally do anything like that to boast or say anything. Not many of us would confidently raise our hands and say that we are the best mom. And so the title of my sermon today is Best Mom Ever. You're the best mom ever. You know, moms are some of the most underrated talents that there is. Seriously. There are not many others who can carry as many job titles as a mama does, right? Mom, the house cleaner or head of housekeeping. 
mom the dry cleaner, mom the boss, mom the sports manager, mom the administrative assistant, mom the chef, mom the pet trainer, mom the protector, mom the discipliner or the law enforcer, mom the friend, mom the hairstylist, mom the tutor, mom the therapist, mom the detective, mom the referee, mom the peacemaker, mom the head cheerleader, mom the grandma, nana, mimi, noni, whatever you want to be called, by your grandchildren, that's a whole different another level to add to a mother. Mom the babysitter, mom the party and the event planner, mom the interior decorator, last but not least, but the all-encompassing that we all know that we wear on our chest, mom the super mom, right? Because our children and our families seem to think that we have an S on our chest. I'd like to know where that outfit is because I don't feel like I rarely ever see it. Mom the super mom. What's hard is today's standards are unrealistic expectations for mom to be the best. They have to be the best at everything. You can't just be good at one thing. You have to be the best at everything. And if you aren't the best at everything, and this goes in life in general, that it can go across the board that if we are not the best at everything, if we fail at one task, that means that everything else is, fail is a failure, that we are a failure. But we make the mistake. How on earth can we live up to this position? How can we truly be supermodern? Because just like with every superhero, comes the weight of the world and saving it. How many of you sometimes feel the weight of the world on your shoulders? Especially as mamas. I'm not saying dads don't because dads are a totally different breed and they do different things that are awesome, but guess what? Today's not Father's Day, so sorry about you. <laughs> That's coming up. Moms feel the weight of the world on their shoulders, and you know what that world is? It's her family. Even when your children are grown, mamas, and you're with grown children, it's your family the weight of the world on your shoulders. Because moms, they don't just stop when their kids get grown. You know what I'm saying? They like, it's a different level of becoming friendship and setting those boundaries and still loving and giving guidance and giving caring and it's, it's that shoulder you can cry on when you need to go somewhere and you as an adult need that love. Moms carry a lot. I don't know about you, but I don't know why we all don't have like the biggest biceps in the world. <laughs> what does it mean to be the best? To be the best, I looked it up in the dictionary, because y'all know I love to do that, because I'm about words. To be the best means surpassing all others in excellence, achievement, or quality. To be the most suitable or useful. To be the best solution and the best performer. Sometimes we feel like we have to perform. Because I know there's sometimes there's days that we don't feel like getting up ourselves. Like, like there's some days when I get out of bed and I'm like, y'all saying mom, but I need my mom. <laughs> like, for real, can we just sit here and pray together because I'm going to say mom too. Because I need it. Like, I don't want to be mom today. But most of the time you don't get the choice to just be like, click with my time card, I'm checking out deuces. It doesn't work like that. Mom is a 24-7 job. So in order 
to be the best, you have to do it all better than everyone around you. And what does this create? It creates competition. You may not outwardly try to always want up the moms around you, but do you inwardly say things like, I wish I was like her as mom. She's got it all together. She's always put together and has her kids in order. I wish I was the fun mom like that mom. I wish I could be young with my kids again like her. Man, she never lets anything get to her. She works a job, takes her kids to all the sports, serves the PTO, cooks four course meals, and even bakes. I'm out. And that kept going on this. I wish my kids and I were friends like they are with their kids now that they're grown. Or I want to be with my grandkids how she's with her grandkids. It's the nature of the beast in all of us to compare ourselves to others. But I think sometimes even more so as moms because we, we feel like we have to fit this mold and even more so, you know, do I go to work? Do I not go to work? Do I stay home with my kids? Do I not stay home with my kids? You know, breastfed versus formula, fresh veggies versus fast food, working versus staying at home, traveling versus living near grown children, uninvolved or over-involved. Oh my Lord, what are you? Can somebody just tell us what to do, please? Because I know that there is not a parent manual that says M-O-M and has some kind of awesome acronym on it to tell us what to do. And the only thing we can go to, it doesn't say mom, but it says B-I-B-L-E. The only thing that I know to go to as a mother when I need that encouragement, the only thing any of us should go to when we know that we don't know what to do, whether we are fathers, friends, sisters, brothers, whether we are a co-worker, the only thing that is ever the greatest guide for you to get you through anything is the Word of God. Right here. But so often we get so busy that that's the last thing on our schedule because everybody else needs taken care of. Um, so I'm here today to tell you that you matter and that you deserve time to take for yourself with Jesus or else you are going to lose it and you won't kill your kids and your husband and, and your friends. You, you're, going, you're going to go off. I'm just telling you right now, moms, you need the word of God. You need that time. Because I know all of us in this room at some time or another, unless you've got an infant right there, and I'm sure Hannah ain't said it to Zephaniah yet, but we have probably said, I brought you into this world, I will take you out, and I will pray over you again to resurrect you from the dead.
went to the well after he had fled, you know, because he had already tricked his brother out of the blessing. And he goes to the well, and here's Rachel. And, and Rachel, now let's just be honest, in the Bible, Rachel was like one hot mom. Like she had it all. Like, like if they were trying to compare, like Rachel had it going on. Even the word of God says it. It talks about how she was very beautiful. It talks about, let's go to verse 16. It says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now, don't hang on to Leah like that. <laughs> I mean, the only description that poor girl got was she was weak in her appearance. That already don't cause a problem between sisters right there. All right? Especially if God calls you out. You look good, you don't. You know what I'm saying? That ain't right, okay? Something's wrong with that picture right there. All right? And I would have said, well, God, you said you made me in your image. God and I work cool like that. We have that kind of relationship that we talk like friends because he is my friend and he's the only one that keeps me sane. Trust me, my family knows. And when I'm talking to God by myself, y'all better leave the room. Because <laughs> we're having a conversation. I'm trying to figure it out. Verse 18 says, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. So stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and it seemed to him but a few days because he, because of the love that he had for her. This man waited seven years. This girl had to look good. I mean, he worked for seven years. Already put himself in a contract before they even had, like, they didn't even date. He was just like, I'll work for you. Period. No time was over. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And it says in verse 25, And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me, Laban said? It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other one also in return for serving me another seven years. And Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him to his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Verse 30 says, So Jacob went into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. That's tough. That's a lot to swallow. First of all, I have one question. Was it really that dark? <laughs> like how? I mean, it must have been like so dark. Like how did you not know? Unless like she had a covering. I mean, there's things that just goes into studying. That's why studying is so important. But listen, there's there's all these questions that you just want to know. Like I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know God. Like how how does that work like that? How do you not know that it wasn't Rachel? And what's really sad is. How dirty of her father to do that like that and put them in that position to be a competition. But isn't that like the enemy in our world like that? He likes to play dirty, doesn't he? And he likes to take and put people in different positions so that you can compete with one another because we're all striving for the love of somebody or something. 
world, and if somebody else is getting what we don't have, then it's a problem. It's the Rachel and Leah syndrome. Verse 31, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated. That's a big word. In our house, we don't say hate. Like, that's a big word. Like, we are not going to say, I, my kids know, we don't say I hate you, or you will have Don Bishop in your mouth for days. I love you, that's not bad, and that is not abuse. I'm telling you, I'm going to wash your mouth out to get all that out of there. We don't even talk like that. Hate is big. It's huge. That's a big word that encompasses that you detest something so bad. And it says, the Lord saw that she was hated. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called him Simeon. And again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Verse 30 says, When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. And Jacob got angry with her at this time. He's like, What? Oh my God! I don't make it happen. So she said, Verse 3 here in, in chapter 30, she said, Here's my servant Philip, go in her so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and Philip conceived and bore Jacob a son, and then Rachel said, God has judged me, and has also heard my voice, and given me a son, therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's servant, Philip, conceived again, and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. Wow. Did you ever, when you was a kid, have somebody be like, nah, 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 nah. like, you ever ever somebody be like that to you and you're like, I'm gonna punch you right now. Don't act like any of you have not ever had anger problems in this room or ever felt offended in your lifestyle. And if you have, well, there you go. But most people in this room can honestly say that there has been a moment where they have felt offended or irritated because somebody was rubbing something in their face that they did better than them. Especially if you work so hard, you know what I'm saying? Like, you work hard, especially moms, you know what I'm saying? You cook a good meal, and it's done, and you worked really hard on it, and all of a sudden you're like, it's okay, I don't like that. You don't, you don't like it. I want, I want mama, you want what? I just made you full meal, homemade chicken and noodles, and homemade mashed potatoes, and corn, and I did it, and I didn't have to. Honestly, I didn't want to today. But you're going to eat. When you say it like that, does you're going to eat it or wear it. <laughs> or you just say, look, you can either eat it or don't eat. But it's there. And I am not giving in to you just because you want ramen noodle for dinner. I'm sorry. I'm not. 
things are just kind of rubbing your face when somebody, or like when it said, well, I like theirs better than yours. Well, that's okay. They can make it. You know, it, it, it does something inside of you. You know what I'm saying? As just a person in general, when things are set against you. And it says in verse 9, it says, when Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her a second to Jacob as a wife. But Leah's servant bore Jacob a son, and Leah said, Good fortune has come. So he called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son, and Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. And in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Isn't a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you also take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Do you see what these two women are doing? Oh my Lord! This is terrible! This is like 101 of how not to be as siblings, number one, but as friends and as women to one another. This is awful! said, when Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come into me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. Good God. And she, so he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. God has given me my wages. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. And then Leah said, God has endowed me with good endowment now because my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called him Zebulun, and afterwards she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach, and she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. There are several lessons right here to learn from mothers. I have four points, and they're quick, and they're simple. But number one, remember that what you see isn't always what you get. Rachel was beautiful and loved, but couldn't produce her greatest desire to raise a family. And Leah was homely and unloved, but was able to birth forth an inheritance from the start. Yet it still did not gain Jacob's love. They wanted what each other lacked. See, Rachel, Leah thought Rachel had it all going on because she looked good and everything was good, and Jacob loved Rachel. But see, Leah could pop out of them babies just like that, and it was no big deal for her to conceive babies or do anything like that. So that was something that Rachel longed for, and it didn't matter if Rachel, Rachel looked, or Leah looked homely. Rachel envied Leah. That's not how life is, you know what I'm saying? Like, what you have sometimes is just not good enough. You know, in your homes, like, you could, like I said earlier, you could be a better mom, you could be this, you could do something better, or your home's not good enough, or your car's not good enough, or your job's not good enough, or whatever it is. Somebody always has something better than you. I, I'm sorry to push your bubble, but that's life. That's life. There will always be somebody who has more money than you, there will always be somebody who has maybe a nicer car than you. There will always be somebody who knows how to make something better than you, or be crafty more than you, or do something different more than you. There's that. That is the sad cycle of life. So we need to get used to it and learn to be who. 
Rachel was loved by Jacob, and that didn't even, that didn't suffice her. More times than not, it's not what we have that gets us into trouble, but that which we don't have. It's not what we have that gets us into trouble. It's what we don't have that gets us in trouble. Rachel and Leah's desires for what they didn't have cost them the sacrifice of a beautiful relationship as sisters and friends. How often do we forfeit valuable relationships because we're so busy trying to prove we can do it all? How often do we forfeit valuable relationships with maybe other moms, or we don't even try, or maybe friends, or maybe even, this goes for anybody in this room, a lot of times we keep ourselves back and so isolated because we're so worried about what we don't have and not adding up to everybody else around us that we forgot that God doesn't add or divide. He multiplies and he gives things together and he gives you what you need. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it real clear. Jealousy is not your friend. It takes you away from reality into fantasy. Jealousy keeps you from seeing reality. It takes you to fantasy because it makes you believe that everything is always greener and better on the other side. But guess what, honey? Somebody's got to water that field on that side too. Somebody's got to feed them sheep on that other side. And somebody's got to make sure that all the stuff is cleaned up. And somebody's got to make sure that that grass is grown. And just because it looks green doesn't mean that it didn't take work. Why don't you work on your own side, in your own field, in your own pasture that God has put you in, and dedicate yourself to being right by what he's given you and who he says you are. And you might clean out all the leaves that are affecting your grass. And it could add up to what God has for you. never know what the other person has gone through to get what they have or where they went. You know, Rachel probably didn't know how many times Leah cried herself to sleep and had to stay up with all them babies working very hard while Leah had the love of the man that, or while Rachel had the love that Leah would never receive. She didn't know that. And Leah doesn't know how Rachel might have cried herself to sleep several times because she didn't have her own child. And instead of encouraging one another and being what they should have been to one another, all they did was downgrade, manipulate, buy each other out, lie, cheat. It's not good. Trying to be like someone else will never make you the whole because you're never being fully you. Trying to be like someone else will never make you whole because you're never being fully you. Number two, refocus your identity. You may be a mom, but can I tell you something? You have to remember that you are still somebody's child. And I'm not talking about just your mom, your birth mom. I'm talking about you are God's mom. Child, you God is your God is your parent. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you're not God's mom because that's weird. But um, <laughs> hey, it happens. See, we, we all make mistakes, and that's really okay. But the thing about it is, is that you are God's child, and that love that you feel for your own children. Do you understand that God feels that a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand times more for you? That you are His child. You have. 
have to refocus where your identity came from. You were his before you ever gained any title that you will carry in this world. You were his. Rachel and Leah placed their identity in Jacob and their children. And that's what they did. It wasn't important to them to place their identity in God. They had their identity in whether Jacob loved them and whether their children loved them or how many children they loved. And look what they did to their kids because they were so unfocused that they didn't know their identity. And let me tell you something, Mama. If you don't know your identity in this room, guess what's going to happen? That's going to flow down to your children. So you better learn it quick where your identity comes from, which is Jesus Christ, and find out where that fulfillment is so that you can put that into your children and train them. And I don't care if you've messed up and you've gotten them very good mom or you didn't train them in that way. Today is your day. Start right now and tell them who Jesus Christ is and find your identity in him. Quit playing the enemy's game. See, what's sad is that when they placed their identity in these things, this was part of their culture. And when they couldn't produce what culture desired, they felt unworthy. Rachel couldn't provide children and Leah couldn't please her husband. They each had the missing piece to their desires being fulfilled. Or being fulfilled at least by culture standards. When we embrace what the culture says over what God says, we are filled with insecurity and doubts about who we are. When we embrace what culture around us says over what God says, we are filled with insecurity and doubt about who we are. You can never focus on God and others at the same time. Guess what happens? You have split personality that way. Think about it. Think about in this world why a lot of us are struggling Think about why, and, and, and being honest, why sometimes mental illness has risen so much because we've lost our focus on where our identity comes from and who defines us, that we are so wrapped up in the culture around us that we embrace it so deeply that it literally creates split personalities. And the reason that I say that is because God created you to be one thing while you are being something else and that one thing still lives inside of you and you have to allow that one thing to drown out what the world is saying and grab onto it and quench that thirst for the world in Jesus Christ you wonder why some of us struggle so bad even as moms mentally at times are mentally drained Sometimes I believe it's because we take so much time worrying about being the best and doing what we need to for our families and being so involved and fixing everything. You are not the fixer. Jesus Christ is. Let it go. You can't do it. No matter how much you try, guess what? You cannot make your child love God. You can't make them do anything. But you can teach them and you can train them. And you can discipline. Ooh, that's a big word. I thought, even in the Bible, it says God disciplines those he loves. So to me, discipline is a word of love. Your true identity will only come from the one who identified you in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5a says, Before I formed you in the womb, I 
knew you before you were born, I set you apart. Before I formed you, I knew you, and I set you apart. You know what that means? That he's the only I am that can create you and who you are. When we focus on the great I am instead of who they are and what they are doing in our lives, we begin to understand who we are. When you focus on the great I am instead of who, who's all they around you? I mean, do you even find your kids saying it? Well, they said, well, who's they? This is what they say. What? Stinking somebody's blog on the internet? Is that what they say? Wow. God must have, like, really just put a little extra on them so that you can believe everything from them instead of him. They? Focus on him. That's where you get your identity. Number three. You can choose to be content or you can choose to compete. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Rachel and Leah both had hard times accepting their circumstances. They had a hard time accepting where they were. Rachel had a hard time accepting that she was barren, and Leah had a hard time accepting that Jacob didn't love her. It was tough for them. Rachel's father tricked her, and Jacob swapped her out for Leah. Jacob made it known to Leah and everyone else that he didn't love her. Rachel has to watch her sister have children while being barren, and Leah had to watch Rachel receive a love she longed for but could never achieve to receive it. That's tough. You ever been in a situation in your life where you're just like, oh my gosh, can I get a break? How come they get a break? They don't even love you. We don't really know who loves God or not. That's not up for us to judge, but we like to do that a lot of times. Like, they don't serve you like I do. How come you're honoring them, but if you're not honoring me? All I do is this day in and day out, and I serve you, and I get up, and I follow you, and I take care of the kids, and I take care of my house, and I take care of my husband, and I make sure things are done, and I cook the meals, and I do the laundry. I hate laundry. And I make sure that everything is in order. And what happens at the end? I get nothing for it. That's not fair. Life is not fair. God never said it would be fair. So I think it's time of us, as us, as mamas, can I say something kind of hard to you? It's time for you to quit acting like the children that you need to raise. You're not a child. The Bible says that when I became a man, a woman, I walked like one, I talked like one, and I put childish things away from me. Our generations around us, everybody hear me in this room, the generations that you are complaining about are waiting on you to rise up and quit acting like them and do something. Do something. If you don't like something, fix it. Contentment is especially hard when you want to achieve the best of everything. Sometimes it's hard to say, I can't, as a mom. It's hard to say, I can't do that. How many moms in this room know that it's hard sometimes to say, no, I cannot. I'm sorry you got yourself into this mess. I'm not going to fix it for you. You made your decision. You will have to face the consequences. Now, what I can do for you is 
refer you back to God, who is a loving God, who is forgiving and gracious and kind of true. And guess what? This even matches up to the ones of you who have two-year-olds. I'm not going to fix it for you by reverting to give you a toy because you slapped your brother in the face. I'm going to discipline you, and then I'm going to teach you that doing things is wrong, that saying sorry is good, and that being respectful to one another, and that God still loves you even when you make mistakes, and we can show grace, and so let's get up and go on and move on about it. because of just not fixing what he could have at the moment. Right? You feel you're not only letting yourself down when you say no or I can't, but mostly those who depend on you. But let me ask you a question. Is your best really the best for them? Is your best in life really the best for them or is God's best the best? Is it? Because we can get in the way a lot of times. We can try to do it our own way. When hard things happen in our lives, especially when our kids or our loved ones are involved, it's easy for discontentment to creep in. It's real easy, especially when you want things for your kids, when you want things for your loved ones, and you want to make sure, and you try to figure out every way that you can get that for them. And the bad thing about it is, is when it doesn't work out the way you want, it's easy to be real discontent. Discontentment, even in the midst of painful situations or deep, unfulfilled desires, only makes things worse. Discontentment breeds competition. If you wonder why you're constantly looking at everyone else around you wishing to be like them, you need to look inside and wonder why you don't want to be like you. Check right here. Why? Why don't I like myself? Why don't I like myself as a mother? Why don't I like myself even as a woman? Because let me tell you what, one of the things that I think we lose, period, as moms, is our own identity as who we are. Because guess what? Yes, I am Brandon's wife. Yes, I am Nevaeh, Jada, and Zion's mom. But guess who I am? I'm still Jen. I'm still Jen. And who I am matters. And if I know that with God, it's going to make a heck of a lot of things more easier in my life and in my home because I know who I am and can depend on Him for that. But I have to understand why I'm not content with that. Why am I not happy with where I am deep down inside? Why am I not satisfied with who I am? And I can chalk it up to blaming it on everybody else in my life and taking care of the kids and taking care of the family, taking care of the church, taking care of the dogs and the other dogs that we get and the dogs that we've given away Thou shalt not covet. 
want what your neighbor has, once you want somebody else has and doing whatever it takes to get it, is stealing. Even somebody else's identity and even somebody else's purpose. You want to know why? Because that's not your purpose and that was what God had planned for you. He has better things in store for you and different ways to fulfill what you need over what you want. And then in the word it says that when you seek me with all your heart, I will give you the desires of your heart. Competition causes you to neglect what you actually have as blessings in front of you. Competition causes you to neglect what you actually have as a blessing in front of you. Have you ever gotten something brand new? This happens every time we get a vehicle. It's so funny. Every time we get a vehicle, isn't it funny? Anytime you buy a vehicle, you barely ever see it until you get a vehicle and then everybody else has your vehicle. It's weird. Is it maybe because you're more aware because you know what you have? Is it maybe because you see things, but sometimes... In those circumstances, just like that, you can look at them, oh, but there's this newer. I have like a 20-year-old older model than they do. I'll never be able to afford anything like that. Or they have a nice car, but they probably don't have a nice house. <laughs> I have heard weird things like this, I'm just telling you. Like, I'm being dead serious. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, being content with what you have. But... What happens if you go out and you buy the new car because you're not satisfied with the one that God gave you that's still working for you because something passed around I talked about yesterday. As far as I'm like, they are more because they used to be made for functionality, for the purpose of getting from A to B. Now they're made with all these techie and good grief, we're going to be the Jetsons in another year. <laughs> if any of you know what that is. <laughs> the Jetsons. If you don't, that's when cartoons were cool. <laughs> right. But the fact of it is, is that what happens when you go out and you purchase that new vehicle, or you get what, you know, because you have to be the cool soccer mom. So you have to have the cool vehicle that can keep all the kids in it, because you have to be the cool mom where everybody wants to go to their house, right? So I have to get the cool car to be like that mom, because that mom's not going to beat me out, because I'm the cool mom, not her. No more about sports. So what happens? You go buy this vehicle, and guess what? You can't even afford it. You cannot make the payments. You have no ability to do it. And then you are crying out to God to help you pay for a vehicle when you coveted what wasn't yours, and you got yourself into that mess. That doesn't mean that God won't honor you, but I'm just trying to tell you, discontentment never fixes your problem. And getting what somebody else has never fixes your problem. Guess what, guys? You will never have somebody else's child. And can I be honest with you? Everybody's kid, in one time or another, has thrown a fit in the store. Everybody's kid, at one time or another, has told them that they hated them. Everybody's kid, at one time or another, has probably lied or done something they should not have done to them as a parent. And just because you see something on the outside when they come in doesn't mean that mama ain't struggling with something that you struggled with or are struggling with. Never before. Quit wanting somebody else's children to be to be just your children to be like theirs and just raise the 
You want to say, don't you, don't you love Jen? I'm just going to be honest about myself for a minute. I mean, we're being honest. It's, it's okay. So, don't you just love babies? And, and, and don't you want another? No. No? No, I don't. I had a hard time as a mom with babies myself, like babies. Like, I love my babies and hold them. When they started getting toddlers and they were walking, I was like, Let's go do whatever we gotta do. I'm gonna have to carry the car seat and the diaper bag and everybody else's bag and put it down. My arm won't feel like it's broken anymore. And I can walk around and we're gonna have fun. And now you can talk to me and this is great until you back talk and then we're in trouble. <laughs> we got a problem. But I loved it. That was just me as that stage. And some mothers are so great at wanting babies and stuff. But but as a mom, I'm learning that it is okay not to like what everybody else likes and want to be what everybody else wants. If you don't get Because guess what? Just like mamas and just like them, we have hearts that hurt. 
begin to reflect on the things that I did, and then I said, you know what, God, I had a blessing of a good mom, so I need to get a hold of her and tell her, I am sorry for all that that I put you through, and I just want you to know that you're a good mom. And let me tell you something. You, I believe you here today, yeah, you may have failed. You may have messed up, but God wants you to know that you are good and you are the best at what you do because you believe and trust in him. He's made you the best for where you need to be, not for what everybody else needs in this world, but for what you need to be. He will give you the best and help you do what's needed. Number four. You will only be the best when you take up the best position. Take your cue from Leah in verse 35 of 29. It says, And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. I think the main mistake that Leah made was she didn't stop in her praise and let it continue. She went back into the feud with her sister. Did God grant her the ability to have more children? Yes. And you know what's crazy is even out of Rachel and Leah's craziness and their dysfunction, guess what God did? Created the 12 tribes of Israel. But you know what's crazy to me is when Leah took up the position of praise, there was only one tribe that Jesus Christ came out of. And it was praise. It was out of the lineage of Judah. He could have chose any of those other children to come out of that ancestry. But guess what? He didn't choose it out of their bickering and their arguing and their competition. Guess what he came out of? Their praise. He came out of Leah's praise. Her moment where she said, this time, I'm going to praise the Lord. This time, it's not about Jacob. It ain't about Rachel. It ain't about anybody else. This time, it's all about God. And this is the fact for you ladies in this room today. This is your choice to say, I may not be the best mother that I could have been from up to this point, but I can make the best decision right now and stand in my praise for where I am and be directed from there so that my The best position you can take in life is one of an attitude of gratitude. This was the only time I believe that Leah showed her family her sincere contentment with God. Let me tell you what. God sees who you truly are and loves you. He doesn't need you to perform for him. He just wants you to be with him. with my kids, with my family, with my husband, 
change the setting. Because we've all heard it. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, mama, how's that fair to everybody else just because you're not satisfied and content? That everybody else in your home has to be miserable. Why is that fair? See, it doesn't have to be like that. Your discontentment doesn't have to rub off on anybody. You can be content with who you are. And what's sad is it's true is moms are like the glue to the family. They hold things together. And mom, you have the ability to change the atmosphere in your home. You do. I'm just telling you right now, you can make it go from bad or you can make it go from good. You know, it's like taking it from zero to 100 in a minute. You have the ability to change your atmosphere. And the only way that you can do that is by standing in your praise. So when everything around you is going crazy, when the bills are not being paid, when the world is falling apart, when the washer is breaking down, when the laundry is not done, when things are dirty and dishes are crazy and kids are going nuts or kids don't call you anymore, moms, because you don't have a relationship with them or you feel like you're being taken for granted because you have grandkids all the time and your child won't watch them or be vice versa or you want to spend time with your kids all the time. It doesn't matter where you're at in your moment. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? What matters is where you stand in the position you take in your moment. And when you take your position of praise with God, that's what changes the atmosphere. And that's when things begin to change. And I will tell you something that God told me a long time ago, and I've kept this motto. Don't complain about what you entertain. If you want to keep entertaining the life that you have and competing and fill up bickering and contention in your heart as a parent, keep forsaking this. Don't follow in here. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't go by it. But if you want things to change and you want you to matter and you want who you are to matter and your identity to matter, then take up your position of praise like Leah. Amen? Amen. Mama, with God, you're always enough. So I'm going to tell you right now, Mom, you are the best. You're the best mom ever because God created you like that. Not because of what somebody else is like near you, but because of who you are in Him. Amen? You're going to sing this song, and I'm going to pray over you just real quick. And as we end out, I'm going to give you a chance to spend some time just in an attitude of gratitude for all the things that God's done for you. And if you feel like you need time as a mom to come up here and you just want to soak in to God's presence, that's all right. We want to remind